Well, this morning we continue to look at um, breaking through, and we're talking about 21 days to break through, and, and we've been seeing some incredible things that God is doing through this time that, that we have been praying for spiritual breakthrough. We've been fasting, we've been asking the Lord, and Friday night was intense. It was incredible what God did here on Friday night. You don't want to miss, we have prayer on, on every day of the week at 9 o'clock, and then on Friday nights uh, we, we gather together to seek the face of God. It's been, it's been really incredible to hear the stories, hear the testimonies of what God is doing. It's just been incredible. I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And breakthroughs come in all different kinds of forms. You know, when we're praying for a financial miracle, and we set our hearts to pray and seek God, and then unexpectedly, God provides for us in a way that we weren't even thinking about, that's a financial breakthrough. Sometimes we're praying for a healing in our body, a physical healing, and people begin to pray all around us and praying for us or praying for our loved ones and then spontaneously it seems almost suddenly out of nowhere someone gets healed. Well God is working behind the scenes. We don't see it but God is working behind the scenes and then spontaneously we see a miracle. We call that a breakthrough. There are relational breakthroughs. Times in our lives when there's a broken relationship, we begin to pray about it. We begin to ask God to restore that relationship. Maybe it's a broken friendship or a broken marriage or a child, a son or a daughter that's away from the Lord. And, and we just set our hearts to begin to fast and pray. And we ask the Lord to intervene and we get aligned with the will of God in our life. And it seems like it's a spiritual breakthrough that happens in our life. But God was really at work behind the scenes and supernaturally he was doing something. But to us, naturally, it looks like a breakthrough. It looks like uh, suddenly that happens. And then there's a revival breakthrough where people begin to pray for their church. They begin to say, you know what? We can go deeper in God. We can experience more in God. Maybe there's a dryness. There's a lull. No one's getting saved. Whatever it may be. No one's getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Nobody's getting healed. Whatever it might be. And we begin to pray and ask God, God, show us your glory. God, show up in a, in a different way. God, manifest yourself. And we begin to pray. And behind the scenes, there's prayer warriors. They're fasting and they're praying. And like on the day of Pentecost, suddenly the Holy Spirit shows up and he begins to do things and, and to us it seems like it's a suddenly, it's a breakthrough in our life. But I want to talk to you about the most important breakthrough that you can have in your entire life. I want to talk about a breakthrough that will set you free, that will help you to walk with confidence, will walk, you'll help you to walk with courage in your life and, and you'll see God in a whole different way. I'm talking about a rhema breakthrough. I'm talking about a revelation breakthrough. And all these other things are awesome. But when we get a revelation breakthrough of who God is, that is the most powerful thing that can happen in our life. Is that when we get this rhema word, you know, in the scriptures, when it talks about the word, there are two words for word. Logos, logos. In the beginning was the logos, was the word. And the logos was with God and the logos was God. That's logos. And then there is rhema. Rhema is when we get a word that it becomes real to us. Now we could read the Bible over and over and over again. Man, I've read the Bible. I've read the Bible cover to cover. And I read it every day of my life. 
And you know, the truth is, there are some times when I'm reading a scripture and it's like, whoa, I never saw that before. In fact, it happens to me all the time. I mean, I read that verse, I read that book of the Bible over and over again, but man, I just read something, whoa, dude, that's awesome. That's a rhema word. Have you ever gotten a rhema word from God where you were like, yo, dude, I got to call somebody up and say, that was awesome. Usually when I get a rhema word now, I put it on Facebook, you know. Because I want everybody to know, wow, God just revealed something powerful to me. And my prayer for you today is that God would reveal himself in a fresh new way to you. That you will see God in a whole different way. Maybe a deeper way. Maybe a more, a higher way, a wider way, a longer way. But God, that he would do something. See, there's a revelation breakthrough that I want to talk to you about. Because in the Bible, people were always praying to see God. You know, Abraham wanted to see God, the Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides for him. The Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. After King Uzziah died, Isaiah is praying and he's asking God to reveal himself to him. And, and the Bible says that, that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And Isaiah could see the Lord in all of his holiness. Moses cries out to the Lord. He said, Lord, he said, I saw your power. I've seen you do incredible things. But God, show me your glory. I mean, could you imagine? Moses saw God part the Red Sea. Moses saw God do some incredible things. And now Moses is saying, but God, I want to see your glory. I want to see another part of who you are. God, I want to see your character. I want to see your nature, God. Show me your glory. He cried out. That God would reveal himself to Moses. And we call that a rhema revelation. When you see God in a more clear way, a more deeper way, a more magnified way. And even though the Bible is filled with places where people cried out to God to see a revelation, the Bible says the greatest revelation of who God was was in the form of the person of Jesus Christ. And the word became flesh. The logos became rhema to us. The Logos became rhema, it became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we what? We beheld his what? His glory. We saw his glory. We understood who he was. We felt him, we touched him, we experienced his power, and we saw Jesus, we saw the glory of God. Now Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And I want you to read with me, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And Paul the Apostle says, I pray out of his glorious riches that you may be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, listen to me, that you being rooted and established in love. Everybody say, rooted and established in love. That you may have the power together with all of the Lord's people, listen to me, to grasp. Everybody say grasp. Yes. Paul is saying, I want you to comprehend. I want you to apprehend. I want you to grasp, he said, how high, how low, how deep, how wide is the love of God. Everybody say the love of God. 
that you might be filled with the fullness of God. He was saying when you get a hold of the love of God, when you grasp, even though it's really hard to understand how deep is the love of God. Friend, you and I will never understand how deep God's love really is. I mean, every time we go another step down, every time we go another step deeper, there's, no, there's, there's more depth to God's love than we can ever get. We keep on walking down, and the deeper we go, the deeper we fall in love with God, the deeper we understand the love of God, the deeper we have to go yet. Because why? Because you can't exhaust the love of God. Somebody say amen. He said, when you understand the height of God's love, when you understand the depth of God's love, when you understand the width of God's love, when you just get a taste of God's love, you will be filled with the fullness of God. Hallelujah. We pray for the power of the Spirit. We pray to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We pray that God would give us the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit to do the work of the Spirit. And yet Paul the Apostle said that if you could have a breakthrough of revelation, if you could have a rhema understanding of the love of God, if it could break through your heart and heart and it could get down into your soul, he said then you will operate in the fullness of God. Wow. So when you're operating in God's love, you're operating in his fullness. Paul the Apostle said that I can have faith to move mountains. I can give all my clothes to the poor. He said, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. And so today I want to talk about a rhema revelation of the love of God. I want to talk about how the love of God will secure your life. The love of God will set you free from fear and insecurity. That when you get a taste of the love of God, when you get a vision of the love of God, you will walk in the security of the Spirit. You will know who you are because you're in the love of God. You'll operate in that love, and the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. But it's where that Christian, when he understands the love of God, that he walks deeper. He has a richer walk with God, a freer walk with God. When you understand the love of God, it sets you free to be who, who God wants you to be. You're not trying to impress anyone. You're not trying to impress the pastor because you know the master loves you with an everlasting love. You're not trying to impress your boss. You're not trying to gain approval by any other people. Why? Because you're loved by God. Come on somebody. Say, I, I'm loved by God. That's a wow moment when you realize that. When you realize the love of God goes so deep in your life. That's a wow moment. You know, Friday night was so powerful. And I'll never forget this for the rest of my ministry. It was, it, it was a moment in my ministry where, again, there was a revelation. There was a, it was a moment in my ministry where I saw somebody respond in such a way that I said, Wow, wow, that's a wow moment. We had an altar call on Friday night, and this place was packed with people. And I'm so proud of you guys. So many of you have been fasting and praying. We've got one more week to go. You got six and a half days. I know, you're counting the meals. And I'm so proud of you. And, 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 and Friday night, I had told Pastor Henry, I said, Pastor Henry, I said, tonight's going to be a Holy Ghost night. 
And so we talked a little bit about it. And he said, well, it's about families. And so, you know, let's just keep it in prayer. And I came to the altar on Friday night. And my heart was just busting out of me. I was like, no, no, no. This is a Holy Ghost night. God's going to do something powerful in this place tonight. And I just, I just couldn't help it. I jumped up and I said, God, the Holy Spirit's in this place. And he wants to do a work. If you want to get filled with the Spirit, come over. Come up here and be filled with the Spirit. And people were baptizing the Spirit. I mean, people were just God, the, the, the power of God was breaking through. And you could see visibly. God was doing healings and God was doing restoration in people's life and this one woman I will never forget this for the rest of my life this one woman she raised her hand and she started screaming at the top of her lungs and she said he loves me he loves me God loves me God loves me and I thought to myself that's it that's it right there that's the greatest breakthrough that a person could ever have in their life. That is the greatest moment in a person's life. It's not when they're baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. It's not when they're physically healed of an ailment. It's when they understand, when they see, when they apprehend, when they grasp the depth of God's love. That no matter what you've gone through in your life, no matter what you've done in your life in the past, no matter what you will do in the future, no matter what's been happening in your life right now, when you accept the love of God in your life even when you've sinned even when you failed God I don't know the pain that was in this woman's life I don't know what she went through all I know is that she had a revelation of the love of God and she couldn't contain herself she was dancing up and down and she would say he loves me God loves me that's a wow moment when you understand the power of God's love in your life revelation of God's love in our life Paul the Apostle says in first in, in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, For this reason, even since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not, listen to me, stopped giving thanks, remembering you in my prayers. I, listen to what Paul says. Paul is praying in a prison for the church at Ephesus. He's praying for all of us here. Notice what he says. He says, I keep on asking God. There it is. Paul's on a 21 day fast. He's on a Danny fast. And what does he say? He says, I keep on praying. I keep on asking God. The God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the glorious Father, that he may give you what? A spirit of wisdom and revelation. There it is. He said, what I want more than anything else is for your eyes to be open. For your heart to be open. That you might receive, listen to me, a spirit of wisdom and rhema revelation. Why? So that you might know him better. That's it. He said, I want your eyes to be open that you might know him better. Paul the Apostle declares, I want you to break through into an abundant life. I want you to understand the power that is involved in what Christ did in your life. He said, I want you to have abundant living by possessing a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God opening your eyes to the riches of his glorious kingdom. Understanding the power that is at work within you. And all of this, he said, I want you to understand. In all of these things, he said, that comes from the God of love. And I believe today that some of us in this room, we need a, a breakthrough into a deeper revelation of God's powerful, unconditional love. Listen to me. You and I will never live an abundant life 
We will never walk in the freedom and security and power and courage of the Lord until we get a revelation, a breakthrough of the love of God. A stronghold is a thought that turns into a way of thinking. And that way of thinking turns into a way of living. Stinking thinking turns into stinking living. Everybody say that a few times. <laughs> stinking thinking turns into stinking living. And a stronghold is a, is a thought that turns into a way of living. And the enemy tells us that we're no good, that we've got to work for our salvation, that we've got to work for God's love, that we've got to work harder and harder and harder and harder because God's not going to love us until we get to that point of perfection in our life. That's a stronghold in our life. But you see, the truth is there's nothing more powerful than the love of God. Nothing more powerful than the revelation that God loves you just the way you are and there's nothing in the whole world that you could do to get him to stop loving you. Wow! That's a wow moment. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow! You're still the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life. But God loves you just the way you are. And this morning I believe that, that you can experience a breakthrough of guilt you can break through. Some of you struggle with guilt and condemnation in your life. You struggle with guilt and condemnation because of the things that you did in the past. You struggle with guilt because you know that you're not perfect. In fact, all of the human race struggles with guilt. Even people that don't know Jesus. You can go across the world and find people that are trying to get rid of the guilt in their life. Why? Because God has given every one of us a conscience. Every human being has a conscience. Now you can sear that conscience. You can get to the point where you don't hear that conscience any longer. You can, but you can get to that point in your life when you're, you're like, you know, I've sinned so much and, and I love sin and I'm just going to keep on sinning. And every time the, your conscience speaks to you, you keep on denying your conscience. And the more you deny your conscience, the more you get hardened in your heart. That's why people can do the atrocious things that they do in this world. But growing up as a child, growing up as a teenager, growing up as a person... And a human being, God has placed in every human being a conscience. And as a result of that, you can go across the world and you can find religious people trying to wash away their guilt and their, and their sin in their life. And they try all kinds of different ways. They, they try to please God. They try to please whatever God they're serving. They try to do sacrifices. And billions of people around the world are trying to wash away their guilt and their, and their sin in their life. But listen to me. God's love goes deeper than your guilt. Why? Because the Bible says that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Think about that for a moment. Maybe right now in this room, you're a sinner. You don't want to come to God. I want you to know even where you are right now, even in your hardness of your heart, you can't stop God from loving you. Why? Because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, it says while we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He said, for very rarely will a good man die or a righteous person die for a good person. He said, but God demonstrates his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say demonstrated. He says demonstrates. 
It's an ongoing daily thing that God has to remind us. As the Bible says, the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are the children of God and that we're reminded on a daily basis that God demonstrates His love, His long-suffering, and His patience. Why? He did it by sending His Son. He demonstrated to you and I that while we weren't even thinking about God, while we were spitting in God's face, while we were turning our back on God, Jesus was dying on the cross. Wow! That's a wow moment. Everybody say wow. wow. Verse 6 says that we were powerless. To be powerless means to be sick or feeble. It means that those people that were not able to even pull themselves up. That's the word in the Greek. It means that you can't even pull yourself up. It means that, that, that people were wiped out by a disease. It also is used in the moral sense to denote the inability with regard to any certain duty in our life. Specifically, it means that we have no power to come up with a plan of justification on our own. That left to ourselves, none of us are able, not even one of us, to do one thing that would please God enough to be able to earn salvation. That we can't, it's impossible. Because if we could please God in our good works, then Jesus was a fool for dying on the cross. But there was a very good reason why Jesus had to die on the cross. Why? Because nothing we do, not one thing can earn our way into heaven because all of our works, the Bible says, are as filthy rags before the Lord because they're always with a motive to get something. The phrase ungodly in verse 6 means that we had no desire to change. And we are helpless. Not only are we helpless because we had no desire to change, but that we had actually rejected God 100%. And that while we were in that place of rejecting God, God was still loving us. You say, God loved me that much? Yes. While they were beating Jesus, they whipped him. They put a, a crown of thorns on his head. And they hung him on the cross. And while he was hanging on the cross, while they were wagging their heads and they were spitting at Jesus and cursing Jesus, Jesus looked down at humanity and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was issuing forgiveness well beyond the point of our understanding. He was issuing forgiveness way before anyone was asking for forgiveness. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. That's powerful. The word ungodly indicates that we were both irreverent and impious and we have deliberately withheld from God what rightfully belongs to him. The third truth is seen in verse 8 that we were sinners. It means that we were desperately in need of a change that we could not make on our own. We were neither righteous nor good when Christ died for us. We totally missed the mark. As the Bible says, all have sinned. That word sinned in the Greek means to miss the mark. That we never hit the mark. That no matter what we do, no matter how righteous we think we are in ourselves, we always miss the mark. Why? Because our works are as filthy rags before God. And the fourth phrase is even stronger. It's found in verse 10. We were enemies of God. Because of our powerlessness and our ungodliness and our sinful ways, we were considered to be enemies of God. Even though God loves us, he has to consider us as an enemy when we're not in covenant relationship with his son. Why? Because that's the justice of God. Please, please make no mistake. God loves us with an everlasting love, but his justice demands a payment for our sin. 
And when we don't have the payment, when we've not entered into a covenant relationship with Jesus, then God has to give us the right to go to hell. We don't get sent to hell by God. We send ourselves to hell. Why? Because God sent his son. And when we reject the gift, when we reject his unbelievable, undeniable gift of love, then we have no way to get to heaven. So because of that, the Bible says, when we are in our sin, we're enemies of God, considering the holiness of God, considering the righteousness of God. When we are stained with sin, God has to turn away from us because he is holy. And the only way that we can have a relationship with a loving God and we can be reconciled, that word in the Greek for reconciliation means that we were enemies of God. Now we've become friends with God. Wow. And yet even when we're enemies of God, even when God has to banish us from his presence because we have not come into a covenant relationship with Jesus. He's still loving us. Wow. I'm, I believe with all my heart that God loves people that are in hell. He will not save them unless they, obviously now it's too late, but he will not save those that are in hell because they rejected his son. Yet at the same time, that does not change the love of God. Why? Because even when we are faithless, the Bible says he is faithful. He cannot deny who he is. Wow. He can't deny. He can't change. His love is not contingent on anything that you do. You see, if his love could be contingent on anything you do, then that's not perfect love. It's based on you. It's based on what you do. No, 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 no. His love is based on who he is. God is is love. Hallelujah. That's who he is. He can't stop. Second Timothy, Paul says, God can't stop being who he is just because of your faithlessness. Wow. Just because you deny him, he cannot stop being who he is. You can't make him stop loving you. You could spit in his face. You can reject him. But he's going to be that father who waits for his son to come home. You could be eating the pig slop. You could go far away, but God is always waiting because nothing will ever change his love for you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace that you have been saved. The amazing love of God reaches the depth of our depravity and pulls us out of the miry clay. I love what someone once said about the love of God. It said, legalism says God will love us when we change. The gospel says God will will change us because he loves us. Wow! That's a wow moment. Everybody say wow! Legalism is an attempt to get God to love us by the things that we do. Legalism says God will love us if we change. The gospel says God will change us because he loves us. Wow! Number two, God's love is unconditional. And it's not based on your performance. And this morning, you can receive, experience, a rhema breakthrough of God's love that will set you free from insecurity. See, the Bible says, for by grace we have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but it is a gift from God. And there are people in this room today, you struggle with insecurity. You're an insecure person. You struggle with a deep insecurity that's rooted 
and a lack of understanding of the love of God in your life. And you need a breakthrough of a works mentality into a, a place of rest and security in the Lord. You're burnt out. And the reason why you're burnt out, you're tired and weary, is because you're so insecure about what people think of you that you keep on trying to please those people. You're waiting for somebody to say thank you to you, but you're never going to get a thank you. Have you ever lived with somebody like that that's thankless? And it, and, and it seems like, don't be looking at your wife right now, Braulio. That's not good. Not a good idea. Thankless. And the more you try, the less they thank you. And it seems like you can never measure up to what they want for your life. They drive you insane. Because all you want is them to say, thank you, I appreciate you. I love you for who you are, but you never get it from them, will you? And because we're insecure, we try, we run after the love. We run after the love of people in our life. We run after the love of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or someone who we try to please and they just burn us out because we can never get them to say thank you and I love you just for who you are. But see, God says, I love you just the way you are. You don't have to work to gain my love. In fact, Jesus said, I'll put it in my translation. Jesus said, Come to me, all you that are burnt out from trying to do good works to gain my approval. Come to me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened. You got a burden of insecurity in your life. He said, come to me, all ye that are heavy laden and burdened. I will give you rest. Rest. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is a yoke of love. My yoke is a, a yoke of acceptance in the beloved. My yoke is a, a light yoke. Why? Because it's, it, it, it actually lifts you out of the miry clay. It lifts you out of fear and insecurity. And it gives you the strength to move on because you know that you know that you can operate with security in your life because he loves you and that's never going to change. Did you ever meet somebody that loves you just the way you are? Oh, how comfortable you feel in their presence. Man, I've met people like that. Where they love Pastor Steve. They love Steve. They love Steve. They love Steve with sweats on. With a jet jersey. Even though the jets stink. <laughs> and I could just be myself. I, just, I could be myself. Do you, ever, do you ever feel like you're in the presence of somebody that just accepts you for who you are? And you just feel so good around them. You feel accepted. You feel like, you know what, no matter what you do around them, they're going to love you. And, and, and with that understanding, you just kind of soar with those kind of people. You feel so comfortable to be you. And then you feel there's other people that never accept you no matter what you do. I, I know some people like that too. Pastor Steve can never do enough good. They come over to me after the sermon. Instead of telling me something good, they're going to tell me something bad I did. And you just feel uncomfortable. You're kind of like, ah, I can never do anything really good for these people. And you feel insecure around those people and, and you stumble around your words and, 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 and you just don't feel like you could really be yourself around that person. Well, let me give it to you in my translation. Jesus said, come to me. I love you just the way you are. Stop trying to impress me. Stop trying to please me. Just start accepting my yoke 
of love in your life and soar and be everything that God the Father wants you to be because no matter what you do in your life, no matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times you even sin in your life, there's one thing that'll never change, my love for you. Oh yes, if you sin and you'll disobey the Lord, you're going to reap the consequences of that. Whatever you sow, you reap. So you want to disobey the Lord and get yourself into a mess and you want to eat the pig slop while you're eating the pig slop, I'll be waiting right here and nothing will change my love for you. Wow. And when you get that understanding, you will begin to soar. Your life will be established and rooted not in fear and insecurity, but it'll be rooted and established in the unconditional love of God. See, God's love is greater than your fear. And some of us in this room, we struggle not only with insecurity, but we struggle with fear. Fear of the future. Fear of danger. Fear of dying. Fear of facing a difficulty in our lives and not knowing what to do. Some of us live with that fear every day of our life. What am I going to do if my loved one walks out on me? What am I going to do if my husband and my wife dies? And you live with that fear. You know, Paul the Apostle, he faced all kinds of situations in his life. He was stoned. And I'm not talking about marijuana. He was stoned. I always got to clear that up because somebody's going to go, Yeah, Pastor Steve said I can, I can smoke marijuana now. I heard it. I heard it. Did you hear him say? Paul was stoned, man. I can get stoned too. Paul the Apostle faced death many times. He was persecuted. But he could live his life with confidence and courage. Why? I'll tell you why. It's found in Romans chapter 8. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 verse 31. Paul the Apostle lived with courage. Why did he live with courage? Well look what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 31. And there's going to be a couple of wow moments here right now. So you ready for some wow moments? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and we had some incredible stories, God stories on Wednesday night of people that are praying and fasting for people that they love and this one lady she said she came to the church, she might be in the third service and she said somebody gave her an invitation to come to the church and so she came, she said I'll try the church, she'd never been here before, she said I'll try the church but she couldn't find it she said, there's so many buildings on the block, she didn't know which one she went home. Somebody else called her up and said, did you try that church? She said, no, I didn't find it. She goes, uh, you, you should go next Sunday. She went to work, and the guy in work that she knows had a card. And it was a card for Bethlehem Assembly of God. She goes, God's trying to say something to me. I need to go to this church. So she came to the church two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, and I was handing out handkerchiefs. Remember when I was hanging out hand handkerchiefs? Remember when I was handing out handkerchiefs, right? And she said, when I walked into the church, I saw this guy handing out handkerchiefs, and I thought he was crazy. Well, she should have stopped right at that because she was right. I am crazy. And I said, I'm going to give you opportunities to, to say amen and shout when I say something really good and I want you to wave your hankies. Remember that? And she said, oh, God, God touched me that day. She says, I've been coming to the church ever since. Okay, so I've got some wow moments for you. You ready? Are you ready? How many of you got your praise shoes on? Come on, let me see your praise shoes. Come on, let me see your praise shoes. Are you ready? Are you ready to shout? Because this is some good things. You ready? Here it goes. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those that God has chosen? 
It is God who justifies. Who then is it that condemns? No, Christ Jesus who died. More than that, he was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who, here it is, are you ready? Are you ready? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we are put to death all the day long? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on, somebody. He said we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul the Apostle received a revelation of the love of God. And he said, I can walk in courage. I can walk fearlessly. He said, I can walk in faith. I can obey God. I can do the things that God has called me to do. I don't have to live in insecurity. I don't have to live in fear anymore. Why? Because I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. The secret is found in the love of God. You see, Paul knew the incredible love of God. And as a result of that, he said, nothing can stand against me. He said, what or who can stand against me? Nothing. Why? Because of the love of God. He said, I can believe God for the miraculous in my life. Why? Because Paul the Apostle said, God freely gave us his son. He gave us the greatest gift of all. How much more will God give us anything that we ask in his name? Why? Because of his love for us. Paul the apostle said, who is going to condemn us? Who's going to reject us? Who's going to judge us? He said, no one can judge us. Why? Because we have already entered into a covenant relationship with Jesus and he loves us. And not only that, but he said hardships and persecution and famine and nakedness only reveal the love of God in my life. It can never separate me from the love of God. He said, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present or the future nor any other power, neither high nor depth nor anything else created in this whole world will be able to separate me from the love of God which is found in Christ Jesus. Come on somebody say amen. That's a wow moment right there. That's a wow moment right there. But I'd be remiss today if I didn't share with you as I close if I didn't share with you the greatest verse in all the Bible. Now I have to tell you something. If we had just one verse in all of the Bible. If the Bible was made up of one verse. And I thank God for all the other revelations that we find in the Bible. But if the Bible was made up of one verse. It would be this verse. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, listen to me, listen to me. You're here this morning, and you say, Pastor Steve, I've heard that verse since I was a little kid. I can quote it verbatim. I know it by heart. Friend, I don't care how much you can quote it. I want to know how much of that verse is in you today. I want to know how much of that verse has transformed your whole entire life. God, listen to me. Wow. For God so loved the world 
I'm going to put the emphasis on God for a moment. Do you understand who loves you? Man, I've been loved by some incredible people in my life. I've had the privilege of being loved by a mother who raised four kids by herself, who sacrificed all her life, who continues to sacrifice today for her children and her grandchildren. And man, my mom, I've, I've seen the height of my mother's love. That she, she'd climb any mountain that she needed to climb if I, was, if I was on that mountain and I needed to be rescued. And yet, friends, even though I celebrate the love of a mother, my mother's love could not even go close to the height of God's love. God so loved. I've been loved by some special people in my life. I've been loved by a wife that knows me and still loves me. I mean, she knows me in the deepest, darkest recesses of who I am. And yet, even though my wife loves me, and her love goes deep for me. You know, when I first got married to my wife, I liked my wife. 30 years later, I love my wife. Because you see, she knows me in the deep places. And yet, as deep as my wife's love goes for me, it could never compare to the depth of the love that God has for me. Oh, I've been loved by some wonderful people in my life. I've been loved by three beautiful daughters in my life. And they love their daddy. Oh, man, do they love their daddy. And, man, I've felt the length of their love. Oh, they've been patient with me when I lost it and still love me. They see the, the inabilities of my own life at times and they still love me with a long love. But friends, even though my daughters love me, there is a length of God's love. That he's long-suffering and patient with me that I've never experienced and with a human being in my life. Oh, I have some incredible friends. You're my friends. But I've got some incredible friends in my life that I've known for over 35 years. And boy... The width of their love has been incredible. They've loved me for years and years, just the way I am. And yet, even the width of their love can never compare to the width of God's love for me. For God, everybody say God. God, soul. The soul in that verse describes the extent of God's love, the size of God's love. The soul describes the magnitude of God's love. That God so loved me. So. You know how powerful God's love was? God so loved me perfectly. God so loved me majestically. God so loved me with a holy love. You see, the reason why this love is so powerful in your life is because of the person who is loving you. God is so, listen to me, God is so perfect that He can love you with a perfect love. God is so holy that He can love you with a holy love. God is so righteous that His love is no respecter of persons. It's the same because God is so God. God is so great 
that he can love you with a great love. God is so vast. God is so infinite that he loves you with an eternal love. I remember there was this young lady. She was a little slow mentally. She was a precious young lady. But she was kind of slow mentally. She'd come to the church and she'd sit right here. After the service, she'd come over to me. Her name was Denise and she'd say to me, Pastor Steve, she'd say with, with, with beaming eyes, she'd say, Pastor Steve, can you tell me, can you tell me, answer this one question, how long is forever? And I'd say to her, well, forever is forever. She'd say, and forever? And I'd say, yeah, forever and ever. And she'd say, forever and ever. And we'd go on for like a half an hour. Yeah, forever and ever and ever. And after I was like exasperated because I had no more forevers, she'd go, okay, okay, thank you, Pastor Steve. And she'd walk out. She'd come back to the church the next week and she'd, she'd wait for me to finish my sermon and she'd come right back over to me and she'd go, Pastor Steve, I got one question. I said, yeah, I know. How long is forever? And she'd go, yeah, how did you know, Pastor Steve? You must be a prophet. She said, tell me his question. Can you tell me how long is forever? And I'd say, Denise, forever is forever. She said, and forever and ever? And I'd say, and forever. And she'd go, and forever and ever and ever and ever? And i go, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And after I'd lose my breath, she'd walk out and go, thank you, Pastor Steve. And she'd come back and do it again and over and over. And I thought, For God so loved the world. Let me stop for a moment and focus on the world. That word in the Greek is cosmos. And it means everyone. That no one can run far enough to any sides of any corners of the world to get away from God's love. David said in Psalms 139, if I make my beds in the heights of the heavens, you are there. And your love, it chases after me. He said, even if I made my, my bed in hell, you would chase after me. He said, I, I know that you love me with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. He said, I can't get away from your love. He said, wherever I go, you chase me with your love. And friends, I want you to know, when he said God so loved the world, he was talking about every nationality, every people group, wherever you are, whatever you've done in your life, God's love is wide enough to in include everyone in this world. God so loved the world that he gave a gave. The word in the Greek for grave, gave is actually sent. In some translations it says God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. It means that, that God so loved you so much that he sent his son on a mission. Could you imagine for a moment, you being a father, you being a parent, sending your son on a mission, knowing that your son would be rejected, would be spit upon, the creator of the heavens and the earth. God so loved the world that he sent his son on a mission. It's a sacrificial love. It's a missional love. It's the greatest gift. God so loved the world that he, he, he gave his son. Think about it. Think about the giver of the gift. Think about the one who loves you, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then think for a moment, God has given you the best of the best. God didn't give you an angel. God didn't give you a human being. 
God himself, the Son, gave himself for you. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word. And the Logos became Rhema. And it came to live on this earth. And we beheld his glory, the glory that came from the Father. That Jesus was sent from the Father. And that gift that you've been given is a perfect gift. Why? Because the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 in him and through him and by him Jesus meaning Jesus the Logos all things were created he was there before the heavens were created before the universe was created before the galaxy was created the Son of God was with the Father in the beginning was the Logos and he was with God the Father he was with God the Spirit and the Bible says he created all things and the Bible says he holds all things together and in Hebrews chapter 1 it says the Son is the very radiance of the Father the Son is the very reflection of the Father and the Bible says in the Son we find eternal life and when God was sending his Son he wasn't just sending a human he wasn't sending an angel he wasn't sending a blemished sheep he wasn't sending a blemished lamb he was sending the Almighty God the Son of God the Alpha and Omega the beginning in the end the creator of the heavens and the earth he came down from heaven and when he hung on that cross friend he said I'm doing it for you I'm giving you my very best God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever the width of God's love that it includes whosoever the Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. Let him drink of God's love. The fountain of God's love. Maybe you're here today and you've been far away from God. Maybe you feel like, I, I can't please God on my own. That's okay, just come today. Whosoever will, put your name in there. This friend, you're a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. Everyone in this room is a whosoever. Whosoever believes, whosoever responds to the love of God will find freedom and a breakthrough. As we close today, I look at my watch, it doesn't really mean anything. But as we close today, I want to read a song to you. And I pray that this song sink deep in your heart and this morning my prayer more than anything else is that you'll walk away from this place being convinced of the love of God and you'll be so convinced of the love of God that you'll walk in freedom the chains of fear the chains of insecurity the chains of unforgiveness the chains that bind you will be broken in your life and you'll receive a breakthrough just simply because you accept you comprehend you grasp the love of God the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell it goes beyond the highest star and it reaches to the lowest hell the guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from sin. Oh, the love of God, how rich and pure.
how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song when hoary times shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall when men on here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong redeeming grace to Adam's race the saints and angels song oh the love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forever endure the saints and angels songs could we could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on every quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky oh the love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song she was a young lady she had been abused maybe whatever the situation was in her life she didn't care anymore about what people thought about her and over the years she became hardened and calloused she began to sell her body to make a living she didn't care God didn't love her the Pharisees and the religious leaders they could care less about her she had gotten so deep into this her sinful life perhaps she was into witchcraft but whatever it was somehow this young lady who was already selling her body as a prostitute now becomes demon possessed with seven demons she has no hope but then the son comes Jesus comes to town they drag her out of the house in the middle of a sinful adulterous act they put her against the wall the religious people pick up stones to stone this young lady but the Son of God comes and he bends down and he begins to ride in the sand and then he gets up and he says to the religious leaders which one of you in this place is perfect which one of you in this place has not sinned and the Bible says they began to drop their stones and walk away ashamed and embarrassed and then the Son of Man the Son of God the Alpha and Omega the beginning and the creator of the heavens and the earth came down and he walked to that woman who was against the wall and he tapped the woman on the shoulder and he said woman where are your accusers and she said Lord they're all gone and Jesus said neither do I condemn you go and sit no more Jesus comes back to town he's sitting down at Lazarus house he's having a meal who made the meal for him of course Martha made the meal for him 
They were on the Daniel fast. Jesus is eating his vegetables. They're out in the outer court. And the woman is walking down the street and in the corner of her eye she sees, she smells the fragrance of love. She smells the fragrance of holiness, of unconditional acceptance. It's Jesus. She runs back to her house. She looks in the house to find something that she can bring to Jesus because now her whole life is changed. The demons are gone. The demons of fear, the demons of guilt, the demons that haunted her past are gone. And she's free now. She wants to bring something to Jesus. She goes in a closet. She looks around. She spots it. It's a box filled with perfume. She was saving that box. Because in that box was very expensive perfume that perhaps a relative gave her. She was going to sell that perfume and make some money so maybe that she could somehow scratch up a living. She takes that box. She rushes back to the house. Before anyone could catch her, she darts in. She falls at the feet of Jesus. She breaks open that box. And she takes the oil, that precious perfume, and she begins to pour it on Jesus' head. And then she begins to kiss his feet. And the religious people, the people that you could never please, the people that will demand from you that you have to be perfect before God will ever accept you, they stood up and they said, Jesus, what a waste. This woman could have took that perfume and sold it and give the money to the poor. Well, no, they weren't thinking the poor. They were thinking of themselves because they were the ones who hold the poor box money. Listen to me. And Jesus turned and said, you see this woman? From the moment she saw me, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. I walked into this house and you didn't even wash my feet. She has not ceased to kiss my cheek. I walked into the house and you didn't even give me a proper greeting. She's not ceased to extravagantly worship me because he who has been forgiven much loves much. If you can get a glimpse of God's love, it'll set you free to walk in your divine destiny and your purpose because you know no matter what you do in your life God is always on your side if God is for us who can be against us what shall separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus let's pray thank you Jesus oh thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Can you just raise your hand and say, Thank you, Lord. Does anybody in this room know what I'm talking about this morning? Does anybody get it? Do you got it? Did you get it? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God.
maybe you're here today you say pastor I'm not certain that if I die today I'd go to heaven and I need to be forgiven by this God who loves me so much and I want to give my life to Christ I want you to raise your hand I want to pray for you anybody here God bless you 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 bless you bless you oh bless you bless you man the third service is awesome more people come to Christ in the third service than any other service it's incredible I'm going to invite you in a moment to come. The altar workers are going to come. We call them altar workers. What they mean, what I mean by that is they come and they, they pray with you and they give you something that you can take home with you to read. And by the way, please listen for a moment. This Wednesday, we have a foundations class. You can come. If you raise your hand today, come to the foundations class on Wednesday. I want to teach you God's word. I'm going to pour everything that I got into you. Everything so you can have a good foundation. There's still room. There's still time for you to come. But I want everybody to stand to your feet right now. Would you please?